Previously on Travellers of the Unknown, Ashes from Time. Plague Master Harry, who's fled his homeland after being embroiled with a church called the Basilica, a travelling caravan that would go from town to town dealing with plague. He felt very at home there. He eventually found out that they were the ones causing the plague. Well, is a dragonborn. When he was a wee egg, he was cast away from his homeland. He was taken in by a village called Morningwood, full of halflings. Bryn, the son of an elven military officer and um, essentially a prostitute. A working lady. He went to the Bard's College as a young man, but he always kind of found um, he was almost bullied, if you will, with his race and his background. As far as I know, every uh, member of family I have is dead. Everywhere I go, I leave a trail of ash and burning hickory. You left your people. You left the killing. You wanted to put all that behind you. So you're in like a like a small screening room, just ahead of you. A spotlight. I think we all know who the spotlight's for, and Brain is going to step forward. <laughs> <laughs> Inside the Teridium, Part 8. Let's do it! Okay. Bryn, to preface this, you have not been transported anywhere. You are still physically in this room with the others. Mm. However, what you see and hear, feel and smell is something else entirely. A memory. You can't control what's happening here, but you're seeing it happen as it happened through the eyes of your past self. Okay. And what Bryn is seeing is projected onto the wall that the rest of you are facing, like a movie. So in terms of how we're playing this, Callum... You are playing you you are playing as past Bryn. Present Bryn is a silent observer to all of this. Mm. Uh yes. you can act and talk freely in this memory, but you are the past version of yourself. Um the rest of you don't have to be silent for this. Um like in and out of game, don't feel like you can't comment or like your characters can't comment or interact with each other. Okay. Bryn won't be able to hear you uh, react, but you guys as characters can react to what you're seeing. I kick um, Harriet. <laughs> just, that's unnecessary. Just for fun. Yeah. Um, kick him from game. <laughs> kick Harriet from the game. Harriet goes home. Stop. And and Har- home for Harriet is a bad thing. Um, anyway, uh, so Bryn, you're stood in a grand, lengthy room of polished white marble. Above you, the ceiling seems miles away. An incredibly intricate golden chandelier is hanging down and hovering there, turning gently in some vacant breeze. Inside of it, a yellow flame is surrounded by a gold casing made up of intertwined harps, and beyond that, a layer of lutes and windpipes, which knot together to create a mesmerizing shape. The walls are lined with pillars, and into them, near the middle, are carvings of figures, each one impeccably detailed and polished. There are at least ten carvings around this room, and each of them bear the likeness of a famed bard who once studied at this very place. The Bard Academy. From the classical composers of the Age of Glory, in which the Elven province was an extra third uh, larger than it is now, and twice as strong and completely independent, 
to the experimental and acclaimed musicians of the Age of Unity, all the way to the current era's most notable stars. Like, give me a funny one. What's a funny one that would be there? Like a real person. Um, Eddie Mercury. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, well are, played, well played. You know what's really annoying? <laughs> is it took me longer to figure out you meant Freddie Mercury and not Eddie Murphy? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, Matt, I did mean Eddie Murphy. I really thought you were going to say Pitbull. Mr. Worldwide. Pitbull. I was really expecting Mr. Worldwide. Oh, that would have been so much better, but okay. Do you want Pitbull? We can make Pitbull canon. No. Eddie, Mer- Eddie, Eddie Mercury uh, Eddie Mercury is a good joke and I stand by it. Right? It's a very good Next. joke. Is it a black Eddie Murphy? I mean, Freddie, <laughs> Freddie yes, Mercury. Yes, it's a black Eddie Murphy. Yeah. No, it's, 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 it's a white Eddie Murphy. It's a white it Eddie Murphy. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. So anyway, oh. uh, so yeah, there's a big thing of, 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 of Eddie Mercury and that's beside the one of Hatsune Miku. And they're the newest carvings <laughs> in the room. Um, there are several blank pillars making space for the future greats. Uh, at the furthest end of the hallway, behind the desk of Bard Master Alum, is a beautiful gold-threaded tapestry of a figure the legends call the First Bard, a man whose voice and fingers were blessed by starmen at the birth of elven history, and from him came the first songs. They say his voice was like stardust, and his music was Ziggy. <laughs> It is like Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> it's Michael Jackson. Between these, between these pillars are great towering shelves bursting with muddles of papers and books. It's said they contain the records of every student to ever step foot in this building. This is the office of Bardmaster Alum, the head of the qualifying year at the Bard Academy. You are 18 years old, almost 19, and have completed your first year here not too recently. Alum is the man in charge of final gradings. He will review each and every test or assessment result and decide if that student is worthy of being enrolled in the full Bard Academy course. His desk is incredibly neat, a pile of completed assessments in a box to his left, with a pile of ones he has yet to do on his right. He's a tall, imposing figure when standing, but he's currently hunched and looking very much his 800 years of age. His face is sunken, his cheekbone shark, his eyebrows bushy and long, actually leaving his face further than his ears do. They, they give the impression that they've continued to grow from his brow for all his life. <laughs> um, he looks a lot like the man that Matt has posted in the Discord just now. Don Quixote. <laughs> Don Quixote. Don Quixote. From what movie? From the man from Don La, La Mancha. <laughs> from Don Quixote. Also f- from history. <laughs> Everyone Google Don Quixote, the man from history. Don, Don Quixote. I don't, think was, I don't think it was real. No, Don Quixote is a man of um, British me- uh, myth. He's, well, he's, he, first of all, he's not British. so <laughs> Myth doesn't mean real, Dallas. He has a dragon. He has a dragon. That doesn't sound real, Dallas. It's a Spanish novel by is Miguel it? de Cervantes. So, you got all of that wrong. You know what? I don't care. Carry on with the, the funny story. David, I know telling a Welsh man this is a lot like telling a, a five-year-old that Santa Claus doesn't exist, <laughs> but dragons aren't real. <laughs> <laughs> here, we, here we go. Right. Okay. Plus 10 to uh, self-esteem. Despite, despite Alum um, asking you here by specific request, he doesn't seem to notice you entering, or even when the heavy door clunks shut behind you. <clears throat> 
<clears throat> just to clarify, are we seeing <laughs> but, what, Matt? Are we seeing the first person of this, or have we got like a cinematic? You're third? seeing the first person. You're seeing okay. exactly what Bryn is seeing through his eyes. Okay, cool. Uh, sir. Hmm? Oh, uh, Bryn. <clears throat> he mumbles, looking up. He spends a moment sifting through his papers before he brings out what is presumably your report. He plucks an ornate, an ornate. Fucking read that as ornate. Ornate, <laughs> jewel encrusted monocle from one shirt pocket, and he squints through it. Uh, yes, yes. I, I'd wanted to come here. I come to the desk. Brain steps forward and walks up to the desk. Can I ask what this is about, sir? We'll get to that. It's something. I'm. I, well, it's a rather sensitive matter, and I. I wanted to. To give you the, the the honor of having it said to you in person. You've never been in this room before, have you? Uh, no, sir, it's fantastic. It's okay to feel small. <laughs> I do. The weight of history crushes us all. And this room has a lot of it. I think there's, there's not a person here that hasn't dreamed about being one of those fancy pillars back there, that's for sure. Yes, indeed. Every great bard has stood where you stand now, each one carved into these walls. I was in your very position once, a lifetime ago, in the Age of Unity. I was a mere two hundred years, and I had a conversation with my bardmaster to discuss my future. And I looked at the empty columns and wondered, would I stand there some day? He motions to a carving a little way away, standing just before the handful of modern bards. Do you know who that is, Bryn? And Bryn, you know from studying here, just to say, because obviously you don't know, yeah. but <laughs> you know from studying here uh, that the statue depicts uh, Brenda Drakenberg, an incredibly popular and influential artist whose dark, genre-defying and often very political music scored the soundtrack to the foundation of Libiquum, the melting pot province. She holds her invention, a beautiful, technomagical guitar, and an early prototype of the now commonplace microphone. Um, of, of course, I do. She's well. She's a bit of a bit of a hero of mine. But yes, yeah. Did you know that's also an old friend of mine? No. We we lost no. touch soon after graduation, pursuing our own paths. She set out on her own, and I I was hired by a great lord to play for him. Oh, I, I rose high, I mean, look at me now, in a seat of such honour. Indeed, sir. But she achieved my dream. She's the one the history books will remember. She achieved all of our dream. He's just kind of looking off and thinking for a moment. Uh, uh, sorry, pardon me. Um, I've been known to ramble, uh, but I tell you this for a reason. You see, I know what it's like to have dreams unrequited. Your report... Your report is fine. It's fine. But... Bryn, no one likes to be told the hard truth. I want you to understand that, despite our disagreements during your time here, I do this for your own good, which is why I shall be completely transparent with you in my reasoning. <clears throat> you shall not be continuing here. <clears throat> what? It would be uh, unwise of you to continue to practice this occupation, at least here. 
Why? What? Why? I mean, the report is fine. I mean, yes, you, you pass, technically, but it's close, and, well, I've been doing this a long time, and despite my uh, chagrin that this is the case, those who receive my decisions aren't terribly thorough when it comes to checking it. They, they trust me, uh, which is why I believe no one will think twice about your denial to the full course. You simply don't have the time. In. What what do you mean, sir? The time. In in general, your attitude could use adjustment, but you're a hard worker. You, you know, you're one of the most dedicated students I've seen in recent memory. I'm and well it's aware. definitely impressive in your ability to learn, improve, and master your art. You invented your own, however ridiculous, instrument. I could at least respect the ambition. However, you are only impressive for a human. Nothing more. Oh, I see. This guy sounds like such a dick. So you're saying in character? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you can say that as you're watching. Like, yeah. this guy sounds like such a dick. Like, the fuck? Just because we're human, we have nothing to offer. That's so fucking racist. What's a human? That's one of us. <laughs> one of us called it. Well, one of me, at least. Not, um, not him. And me. Fin fin is human uh, as well. You are a human, yeah. I, one of us. Just check it. it. I couldn't quite tell. You're so fucking skinny. <laughs> <laughs> Right. What are you, sorry, what are you saying, Rin? He's just said that you're impressive for a human, nothing more. I, I'm, I'm confused, sir. But I'm, I'm not a human. I. Oh, Half elf. Look, you in all your efforts have finished with a grade equal to that of a casual learner. It goes without saying that you are the youngest student in your year. The second youngest is a hundred and ten. Do you know how old the youngest student in this place was? A rare prodigy? Well, before you, it was someone at the age of 60. We have never accepted a student to the full course who wasn't elven or occasionally dwarven halfling, but not human or half-elf. I mean, I only accepted you out of some minimal level of respect for your father. I mean, a petty, disgraced man of lordship is still a man of lordship. I wanted to give you at least a, a fair shot, you know, and, and your mother did pay. And this is giving me a fair shot, is it? This is not a matter of discipline or drive. It is a pragmatic one, based entirely on common sense reasoning. Anyone who comes here is expected to have already honed their skill in the musical arts at a lower level, which you have, I know, for years. But being a half-breed, you do not have the years to spare that an elf does. Your entire life so far is but a blink. And as for the full degree course, do you think you could possibly handle it? I spent fifty years working to reach the standard expected of elven excellence. I consider that my youth, my young adult life. I graduated at two hundred and fifty, the rough equivalent of your mid-twenties. Nothing to me, but to you? You'd be half dead before you reach the level we expect of you. I might not have the time that you and they have, but you know damn well that I'm better than all of them. <laughs> Better than all of them put together? Could you do it? Certainly. Maybe faster than me, but how much of your far more limited life are you willing to spend here? 
Uh, is what remains after that even worth it? Would it not drive you mad, placing your life within a system that is designed to outlive you? Well, surely that's for me to decide, sir. Not for you. Oh, uh, you see, that's where you're wrong. In fact, it is entirely up to me. See, your skills are perfectly fine by human standards. Superb, in fact, by, by human standards. Uh, there may not be another proper Bard Academy, but you could always play for human crowds and make coin on the streets, or you could uh, give it up and entangle yourself in a more fitting profession. I hear humans... Fitting? Uh, yes, I hear humans have great need of simple blacksmiths and carpenters and the like, the working peoples. Um, but oh, so that's it, is it? Almost 20 years of my life, my, as you say, very limited life, working to get where I am now. And you expect me to ponce off and become a blacksmith, is that it? Bryn, this is not a subject for debate. He takes your report and opens his desk, taking out a blank sheet of paper, which he places on top of it. With a mechanical ink pen, styled as an old-fashioned quill, he begins to scratch down a notice of disapproval. This will be affixed to your report and sent on shortly. Less than an hour from now, I think, and by this evening it will be official. You will no longer be welcome on the grounds. He pauses and looks up at you, meeting your gaze. While on the subject of unwelcome places, I am aware of your... Flirtations. It is a natural part of youth. But my grandson. My grandson is not someone I wish for you to see again. You vile fucking ass. Oh, damn, oh, damn, oh, damn, oh, damn. <laughs> he got him. The rustle of popcorn. <laughs> I take it this might be a, a sign of defiance. You, you can't do this. You can't. You, oh, you. Earlier, I mentioned your mother's difficult financial situation. I am rather connected in these parts, and elves do not have a great admiration for those who provide the services that she provides. How close am I to him? You are you're 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 up at his desk. His desk is a little raised above, but if you wanted to I do hope he kills him. I really hope he kills him. If you wanted Please if you wanted him. to strike him. Brent Brent's gonna hit him. Okay. You just strike him across the face? Yeah. Okay, you you do that. Uh and he kind of like is is aghast at the idea that you would dare to do that. And he stands uh to his full height, which is considerably he's now towering above you. And he kind of speaks through gritted teeth. Listen to me, and listen to me carefully. You are going to do as I say, you are going to leave, and you will never, you will never communicate or attempt to reach Tristan again, or myself, or I will, I will simply make your mother's difficult financial situation a deal more difficult. What does that mean? Don't like the sound of that. <clears throat> he uh, clears his throat, then slips the, your slips both your report and uh, his letter into an envelope and places them on the pile to his left. I believe that is as transparent as the situation needs to be. You may leave, and do close the door behind you. 
Make sure you've seen all you wish to see, of course, for once it locks, you will never enter a room such as this again. And he sits back at his desk. Grim. I swear by everything that is holy, I will get you for this. And Bryn... He doesn't even react. And Bryn... Bryn walks away. Just as you're exiting, letting go of the door and letting it slowly close, it takes a, it, it takes a couple seconds. It's like one of those big, heavy doors that just sort of mm. closes on its own. You couldn't push it. And, and as it's closing behind you, you hear him just look up and go, I wish you well. And there's a clunking sound uh, as it as it closes and it locks you out and your dream of a bright future. And you stand there in the hallway outside his office, a desk nearby with an absent secretary who must be on break. I just, yeah, I, I don't know if you want to do anything or... Bruh. We're always watching this very quietly. This is an episode of drama. <laughs> I did a degree on that. <laughs> Bryn I mean Bryn knows hmm. Bryn knows where Tristan stays. That's, yeah, you could yeah. you could reach him if you wanted to. You you even have actually uh it's kind of like a fantasy phone equivalent where you guys have these little communication kind of orbs that you could speak into and you could get in contact with someone if you wanted to, if that's what you're thinking about. Bryn's gonna, in somewhat of a hurry, he's gonna make his way to the rooms where Tristan stays okay. on campus mm -hmm. and give the door a tap. Okay. Uh, Tristan, ans Tristan answers. Yes? Um. Oh, Bryn, hi. Uh, what's up? I... I guess... Guess I'm here to say goodbye. Um, what do you mean? I'm not being taken through. What? You, you've done better than me. I mean, I did. That's not saying much. I didn't. I'm not exactly taking this. I, I don't even want to be here. Maybe if I, what's wrong with my? I. My, yeah, my granddad. Yeah. Yeah. I. Uh... I did not tell him. I didn't think he'd find out. I. I don't even... I will threaten to, to drop the course, and maybe then he'll... No, 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 no. He's made up his mind. He's signed the papers. They're, on, they've, they're gone. I haven't... I've I, got, like, I've got, like, an hour before I'm not welcome here, so... I have an idea. I'm all ears. I'm not gonna tell you what to do, but... You just came here just now from from his office. That's right. Okay. He he kind of looks into his room and then he looks back out. Okay. They shouldn't have been sent off yet. Go back and just wait there. And he closes the door. But Prince gonna make his way back to the Bardmaster's office, I guess. You you make your way back there. Uh, it's we'll, we'll say for the sake of argument, these two places are relatively close to one another. Mm. So you were able to get to to Tristan in about five ten minutes, and and back in five ten minutes. So you know, yeah, things are as normal. The secretary's still not there. You're just sort of yeah. And then you hear hurried footsteps from behind the door, and Bardmaster Alum 
holding a communication orb to his mouth, bursts through the heavy oak door behind you and patters down the hallway as quickly as his age allows. He doesn't notice you, but you over he, he doesn't take notice of you, more to say. Uh, but you overhear, Stupid boy! How many times do I have to tell you to take your education seriously? No, I don't want to hear your excuses! Is the last you hear as he disappears around the corner. The, the door that the old man had rushed from is slowly creaking shut. Bryn's gonna duck through. Okay, you catch the door. It's heavy, but you can slide it back open with ease. The room is the same as before, uh, though it's completely empty and Alum's desk remains unchanged. He's going to head up to the desk and start looking for sealed envelopes, I guess. Okay. Uh, in the in the pile on the right side of the desk where the... I think I said right, might be in left, whatever one it was. On the pile on the desk of outgoing mail, you do see an envelope that isn't sealed. Uh, you're easily able to draw from it your letter, uh, your report and his letter. The letter is brief and to the point. Student Bryn Holt. Unfit for continued study. Dismissal strongly recommended. Can I take the report out um, as well? You, like, you, you, yeah, you can look at your report. Um, Are you, you just looking at the report? There's parchment and a, well, a pen that looks like a quill. Yeah, you on... can see the exact same stuff he just used to write the letter. Bryn takes a hard look at the letter uh-huh. stating that he is unfit for continued study, mm-hmm. and he begins to write on a fresh piece of parchment as best he can, which he which he can do fairly well yeah. in Barnmaster Raylam's handwriting. What you could do is, is copy the existing kind of words that he's written down and copy them almost perfectly. Well, what I mean is because Bryn, Bryn's background allows him to forge documents including official papers and personal letters as long as you have seen an example mm. of the kind of document or hand- the handwriting you're trying to copy. That is immensely convenient to the situation. It is. Almost like it was planned. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of your current skill with that, I think, came from your time on the streets, which has not happened yet. Mm, yeah. However, using his existing handwriting as a template, you're able to turn... Student Bryn Holt, unfit for continued study, dismissal strongly recommended. Two, student Bryn Holt, strongly recommended for continued study. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the letter denying me further study, put it in a pocket or something, mm-hmm. and slip my letter back into the envelope with my report and put it back where I found it, and head out. And you do. There you go. He's a sly one, that Bryn, huh? So, what you guys are seeing on the screen, and the vision that you're having, Bryn, that that then fades right after that, after you've left the room. Mm. But Bryn, in the real, in in current current Bryn, you you recall what came after that. You remember being back home for the summer sometime, uh, sometime later and helping your mother run the small cafe and bar that makes up the lower floor of your home. You watch her at her happiest here, laughing and singing with the regulars, or earning applause when she clobbered the men who'd try to grope her with an iron kettle or bar stool. All the while, though, you remain aware that the money made here isn't nearly enough to keep her afloat, not to mention pay off your student debt. 
you'd often have to bite your tongue as those slovenly drunks would return with their black eyes still fresh from your mother's beatings, only to slam a stack of silvers on the bar and take her upstairs. When your acceptance letter came, no one could have smiled brighter than her, and no one could have been prouder. You never told her the truth, not anyone, and neither did Alam. Maybe he felt it would wound his reputation if anyone knew you'd outsmarted him, or maybe he just didn't care enough about you to bother. But you did stay away from Tristan. And you are back in this room with the spotlight again, as if having woken from a dream. That Bryn. Hmm. Hmm. Are you back with us? Are you alright, friend? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not my place to say. Um, that that didn't look like... Then don't say it. Alright. You should have fucking killed him! He can say that, apparently. That's that's what he's doing right now. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's said that, He doesn't even know you that well, to be honest. He literally met you about a, a yeah. day ago. If we're canonically... You should have uh, killed right. him! Alright, that's enough, small man. Why Bullshit! You... <laughs> Tiny boy! <laughs> Can I take him outside? <laughs> Pick him up by his scruff his neck. <laughs> Alright. Uh, Bryn, do you walk back to join the others or anything? Uh, yeah. Alright. Yeah. Uh, when you step away from the spotlight, the word approach returns to the display wall. So, so I, uh, I'm guessing, guessing you all saw that. Nope. Yeah, we did. Yes. It's fucking bullshit. We've all got skeletons. Well... Guess it's time for me to see one of your lot's tragic backstories, then. Harry sort of shriveled to the back of the group. Can I just throw the little man up there? Sure. Sure, that sounds Do you want to just shove Finn up? Coggers, away! No, 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 stop it. Stop stop crowbarring it in. He's got minus minus one strength, so you just shove him, like, no! No, no, and he's. Can I throw him backwards and he still like bounces off the wall behind us and still lands in the Ricochet him in. Make a little port swallow ball. <laughs> Fin ball. Get it? In fact, Gaulier <laughs> wants to go forward. That's what he wants to do. But in his act of pushing Finn out of the way to get there, he bounces Finn off the wall and Finn ends up in there. Uh, Who's going next? Apparently it's Finn. All right. Uh, It it, it feels like it's Finn. All right. Well, I think think we all know whose edgy as fuck backstory has to come last. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny because it's Matt. All right. So... Finn, you step into the spotlight and the exact same thing happens. Uh, Finn, you're seeing through your past self's eyes and everyone else is seeing it displayed on the screen. Finnison, what you see is mundane. A room you're far too familiar with. <laughs> you come um, back to the room. That was it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you see the memory of, of this this room. Your history is too boring to protect. <laughs> you see the you see the sign just sigh and say, "Really?" Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you see the sign goes boring. Sent you back. <laughs> Backstory okay. not compatible. Yeah. Uh, you are in an enclosed, simple training room. Uh, inside the vast confines of the vestige living quarters, yay! The wall, the the walls are cold and stone. The floor is a soft wood, responsible for countless scrapes and bruises over the years you've spent here. The ceiling above is open to a false sky, 
uh, shining, feelingless uh, sunlight comes down on your shoulders. It's only when a young tabaxi girl enters your vision that you realise when you are. You're about five years ago. You're twelve years old. And Relia, who begins to smirk at you as she stretches, is fifteen. Oh, Though it could still be any number of uh, similar days around this time. Mm -hmm. Okay, first of the day, I know, but uh, let's try our best anyway. You look over to see Lani, leaning against the far wall with a cup of coffee. She looks tired and much the same as she does now. Her hair is a little shorter, a bit more unkempt, and she's wearing a simple grey tank top with brown uh, cotton trousers. Standing off to the side is Digby leaning on a wooden staff while giving the quasit on his arm a scratch beneath the chin. Jen. You remember Digby not always being present for these these training uh, situations, Uh, but he doesn't seem to be watching that intently right now. He's just sort of passing by. I'm assuming it's more because Um, he brought her in than anything else, like a formality as opposed to a giving a shit. hmm. Right? Uh, uh, You could assume that. I will assume that, (laughs) because that's that's how I remember it. You know, I'd feel a lot better about this if I were fighting you, Lani. Relia lifts one knee up to her chest than the other. If you were fighting me, you'd have one less tail. I just don't enjoy beating up a little kid, is all. Oi, f- fuck off and fight me. Finn's been, <laughs> Jesus. Finn's been training here a lot longer than you. I'm pretty sure it's a fair game. Tell that to the last 12 times. Digby interrupts. You're not here to learn how to outpunch someone or outscratch. Both of you should be focusing on reading the other. If you can outsmart your opponent, it shouldn't matter what physical handicaps you have. <laughs> Sorry to take over for you there, Lonnie. Ah, uh, no, that's that's fine. It's it's good advice. Uh, do that, uh, but also punching helps. Okay, so go. I'm going to try and deck her before she turns around. Right. At Lani's signal, uh, Radio flashes you with a grin. Fuck. Clicking her neck before pouncing into a wider stance, low uh, to the ground, eyes on pouncing, you. because she's a cat lady. Roll initiative. Oh, why do I have to do fighting in my memory? <laughs> <laughs> also, I was going to say, um, I was going to say when this started, but damn, we're getting a lot fair reaction already, huh? Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's no edge here. Uh, you got to serve those ten fans. Somehow. There's just yiffing <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's just involved in this backstory. All right, oh, uh, Jesus. I don't. Uh, can I? Oh, no. I don't have access to this channel. Uh, can we? Uh... Uh, Rayla got an eleven. Oh, I got an eight. Okay, Rayla uh, goes first. Goes, goes first. Um, bad initiative. Huh? Mm-hmm. Um, because you're twelve, <laughs> we'll be playing this like you're level one. So you have eight hit points. Oh, great. Uh, okay. This is also about unarmed, so no magic. If he dies in the past, does he die in the future? <laughs> <laughs> he just collapses. <laughs> this is they beat his child to death. Oh, I'm going to get my Punch his head shit off. kicked out of me. This is not going to go well. Okay, so uh, Relia kind of immediately pounces for you, uh, making an unarmed strike. Unarmed strike's always strength, right? Yeah, uh, it can be dex, actually. Oh, can it can it just be whatever you're better at? Sure. All right. Yeah, that is well, correct. You can do the same too then. Great. I get plus one. <laughs> <laughs> she gets plus five. Yeah. Uh, she got a seventeen. I assume that gets your armor class. No, that that miss. Yeah, it, it, it's <laughs> super. It hits. punches through him. Okay. Like, she she gets a seven. So she kind of just goes straight for you, punches you in the gut, dealing free damage. Ah, fuck. Um. Why? Right. That that's her go. What do you do? Oh man, I'm gonna. 
very angrily try and punch her in the face. Okay. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Ha! Natural two, so that is a four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you miss. You, you just miss. accidentally slap her belt to the way up. You miss. Uh, she kind of like grabs your arm in the air as you're going for her. Oh, oh were you trying to hit me, little Finny? Let me show you how. Uh, and then she's going to just kind of <laughs> shove like, you. Don't, don't be a bitch about it. She's just kind of toying with you also, almost. She's kind of just shoves you back over over towards um towards one of the walls. Um, she kind of comes at you for a kick. That's... <laughs> Ominous as fuck. <laughs> that's a 17. That, that also hits. Yeah, so that's another free damage. Mm, yep, cool. That's fine. Okay, right. She kicks you. Well... Uh, what do you do? I'm going to try and... Can I try and trip her up? Uh, like... Sure. Knock her to the ground so I can get... Could do, yeah. Sure. Um... Mechanically, it would be an acrobatics versus my athletics. Okay. Which is t- which is terrible, mind. Uh, I'll do an acrobatics for her then. <laughs> this these dice really love the story. <laughs> what, what what is what did you get? Uh, well, first of all, it was a natural three, which means it's right. a uh, it's a two. It's a two. Uh, huh? <laughs> well, considering she has a plus seven mm. in acrobatics. It can't possibly be yeah. lower than that, so you fail to trip her up. <laughs> Let's just say she ends up knocking you to the ground instead. Uh, fuck. You're prone. <laughs> Lani was right. This is fair. Oh, okay, let's make it less fair. She brings out her claws and how is slashes. How I say? <laughs> uh, she... How is this? Uh, how this, is this, this okay? T- she she goes to to slash at you. I'm gonna give you do dexterity saving throw. Oh great! Uh, ah, oh that's the best roll so far. Fourteen. Nice. Plus anything? No, it's total. That's total. Um, <laughs> I'll just I'll just roll. I, I guess it would have... Wait, how does saving throws work? If it's over 10, is it a win? It, it depends on your the DC, so depending on the difficulty of the, the mm. thing I'm doing. Let's just say... I think that's good enough, 14. <laughs> sure. You, you're able to dodge her clawing. Um, you kind of roll over, maybe stumble to your feet again. You only have one hit point left, right? I have two. Oh, wait, hold on. Wait, did I have seven or eight? Did I have maximum hit points? You had eight. Uh, I have two, because you did two sets of three damage. Okay, that makes... Okay, mm-hmm. so cool. Um, hey, Finn! Lani yells... Tossing you a quarter staff, <laughs> which use one d six damage, uh, or can be used with two hands to make it one d eight. Uh, Radia kind of looks over like I, I thought this was unarmed training. But she's always got weapons. It's not fair. Yeah, claws are a weapon. Okay. Um, <laughs> keep going. <laughs> I'll try and smack her. <laughs> All right, yeah, try and smack her with the quarter staff while she was yelling at Lani. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah, effective. Uh, <laughs> uh, what bonuses do I add to this? I've got proficiency with quarter staff, so I add plus two. And then it's with dexterity, that's another plus two. So that makes it if I could if my maths is correct, uh seven. Seven, huh? <laughs> to your to your D twenty? <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that doesn't hit. Okay. Radio Radio really easily dodges that. Um Okay. Such bullshit. <laughs> she she fucking uh, the, the three other guys are just stood there watching this like it's Muhammad Ali trying to fight a fucking baby. <laughs> <laughs> this is like watching the Make a Wish kid go against Muhammad Ali. <laughs> <laughs> She's just like, you don't have to go so easy on me, Finny. Come on, show me what your years of training taught you. She lifts up. She lifts up one leg up in the air and. Hold up. That might actually not hit. 
Oh. That's a 12. That hits. Ah, what is your other class? <laughs> 12. Sure. Ah, Wait, if it's the same, doesn't it not hit? Yeah, it hits. That's ah. the difficulty of it. Ah, beans. Okay. Mm-hmm. Tell right. me about it. Okay, her foot comes down and contacts with the back of your head, knocking you down to the ground. That would do another free damage. And I am we're out. Not, you're not. You're not like dead and you're not unconscious because this was just a training thing. I'm assuming non-lethal damage. This yeah. is of course non-lethal and you're, but you're not... And you're, you're not dead but you're not happy. You're not unconscious either but you are about done. 10 ego damage. You're not dead but you wish you were. You're done. <laughs> but life would be See, easier if you were dead. My character in the previous backstory viewing was like, oh we should fucking kill that guy. And uh, in my story, you're projecting, everyone, I think. everyone's like, oh yeah, he's, he's a sap. <laughs> Oh no, don't kill. I think we're all just wincing as we watch a 12 year old get kicked in the arse. We are just watching a kid get the shit beaten out of him. It's not great. And anyone else a bit uncomfortable watching this? I don't feel like we should be watching this. Especially you're watching it from first person, the kid's perspective as well. Oh, that's true. So yeah, you're now on the ground. This is what Golir, this is what being small feels like. It's like she knows he was in that body just not too long ago. Oh yeah, he was, yes. Right. Uh, so you're on the, you're now on the ground. Do you do anything? Oh, well, I, I, I'm just gonna punch the ground. Just get really pissed off and slightly cry because I'm a <laughs> child. Oh, still. I'm a child. Are you gonna cry about it, huh? Oh, I fucking hate <sighs> you. you... <laughs> <laughs> this is a joke. You're a joke. I can't tell if you two are in character. No, I'm. I'm just what I'm saying. Lani calling. Lani calls. Okay, enough. <sighs> Can I please fight someone else? Enough. All right. Hey, if I break his fucking legs, will you fight me? She lifts up one foot to throw down on your calf. Lani dashes over and grabs her by the arm, lifting her off the ground and shoving her roughly against the wall. You want to fight me? She keeps her there while she struggles, kicking at the the tiefling's leg until she quiets down and meets her eyes. There's a moment of silence. Then Lani lets Rayla go. Rayla drops to her knees quickly standing up and hurrying from the room, shoving her way past Digby as she does. Bryn has never wanted to fuck Lani more. (laughs) (laughs) Relia, Lani calls after her, turning to look at you and hurrying over, helping you up. You okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Can we have some, like, fair fights sometime? You know, where I can use my, you know, magic and shit? That'd be great. Look, I... I I gotta go after her. Digby, are 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 you good? Digby gives her a calm nod, and she hurries out the room after Raylia. Um Fuck, I say, just out. Uh, just, just, oh, this is a foul-mouthed little kid. Oh, is, yeah, he is. Like you weren't. After a moment of silence, Digby approaches you. Hey, uh, try not to hold these things ag- ag- against her, you know? She's... She's a lot like you. I mean, I can't hold anything against her, apparently. <laughs> Got him. He, he moves to a stone bench and sits and then invites you to come sit with him. I will. No one's... I'm, like, rub, rubbing my bruises. No one's here for pleasant reasons. Many don't have a choice and, you know, she lost her family, same as you. I, I have a question for you. Are you here fighting to impress someone or to make the world a better place? Finn will think about this question for a second. And you'll say, well, neither, really. I haven't really been given much of a choice. <laughs> um, 
I, I, I don't remember any time before this, and I haven't been offered any opportunities beyond this. It's all I know, really. So, there's no one to impress, and there's no world that I've seen to save, so... Yeah. Digby looks, like, very troubled by this answer. Um, and he's going to go to say something else, and then Lani kind of returns, kind of dragging uh, Raelia with her. Kind of, okay, right. Digby, Digby, just come here. And Digby kind of gets up, walks over to Lani. Um, the two are speaking out of earshot for a moment, and then uh, you can see Raelia kind of... Out of the corner of your eye, you can see what looks like Raelia trying to hide the fact that she's crying, um, and Digby kind of just taking her under his arm and kind of walking away with her, and Lani just kind of strolls back into the room kind of awkwardly. I'd like to be sulkingly minor illusion, a miniature version of me and uh, Aurelia, except for I've won this time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh. She's just kind of watching that. But not, not like she, in she... front of them, just for my own personal... Does Lani see that? No, no, no. This is... This is, I mean, she can. Like, it's I mean, just we can in, see it. It's just in front of me. Just, just... I'm going to say Lani sees it yeah. and she just kind of you see, you see her like chuckle. Ah, <laughs> uh, hey, you're a good kid. Don't let it, you know. Don't don't let it get to you. You know, she's just trying to get a reaction out of you, and tension runs a bit high. I I I wish we could give both of you a better matchup, but no, I I I really believe that that you could take her if you just. You know, stop, stop trying to lash out. Stop trying to be angry. And you just, you just thought about it a little more. You just kind of tried to outsmart her. You know, she's overconfident. You can use that to your advantage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, good advice. So, can I use my magic next time? Well, she doesn't have magic, so it's not really fair. But I can start you with the claws. I can start you with the quarterstaff. Great. And she's not meant to use the claws. Uh, I point to like all of the scratches from the 13 other fights and go, <laughs> well! <laughs> well, she's not meant to use the claws. <laughs> Are the people outside meant to, you know, have restrictions? How am I meant to be ready for the real jobs when you're restricting the abilities I can use? Like, I don't know. Maybe I'll, 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 I'll talk to someone... I... She sits down on the bench next to you. Uh, you. You know, I was only a kid when they first brought you in. Yep, which is why it's not really your fault, is it? Did I ever just kind of tell you about what that was like when they, you know, the day they brought you in? Nope. Okay, well, uh, not super good at this sort of thing, but... I'd, I'd been here about three years. Uh, now, it'd happen every so often that they'd, they'd go off on, like, a mission, like a high-profile one, and they'd come back with survivors. It was usually kids, sometimes babies. Now, with your village, it was just the one. You know, just the one survivor, the baby. Yep. I don't know if you got lucky, or they just missed you, or... 
well, hell, maybe maybe one of them had like a scrap of a conscience and they let you live. The, the point is they brought you back. And typically they drop you off somewhere near the town or, or in an orphanage, but they took you to the commander. She saw something in you. This latent ability, even at that age. She could tell you were a born magic user, which is pretty uncommon to just be just be born that way. So th th they knew they knew that nowhere could help you hone that skill and help you put it to greater use than here with them. So they kept you. Glad I was involved in the decision making. I didn't get a say in the matter. I was barely through training, but I I, I knew it wasn't fair. They they took something from you. They took the chance to have a normal life. Some of us don't get to have childhoods. I didn't either. Well, that's great. Hey, at least whoever they were, your parents probably loved you. <laughs> Maybe it's better not to know, you know? What does that mean? My parents probably loved me. Like... Well, mine didn't love me. So, maybe you've got that going for you. She kind of very awkwardly puts a hand on your shoulder and pats it. Maybe tomorrow I can talk and maybe we'll let... Maybe, maybe, if Rayleigh is allowed to use her claws, you're allowed to use, like, low-level magic. Maybe we can, like, sort something out. Because I really want to see you kick I, her ass. I would love to do nothing less than kick her ass. <laughs> I know it's early, but uh, I can probably convince Ali to whip you up some, uh, some like, we'll tell her you won, and we can say it's like a victory ice cream. Or she might have some cake, maybe. Okay, l this is legit my attempt to, like, make you feel better, but I'm also really hungry, so, like, if you want to go to the yes, let's go. cafeteria. Let's, and... let's, let's go. Okay, let's do that. And she kind of walks off with you. We'll go and... through the corridors. <laughs> Yeah, that is actually the. That's that one. Wow. Um, the entire sorry, that, that's from this, my story is just my ass whooping. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking. I mean, not as. Brilliant. I think it says a lot still, despite the yeah. fact that it's. Um, I, I agree. I'll tell you something. We're dealing with some heavy shit in this episode. Yeah, this is the oh, heavy got shit heavy episode. Heavy themes going on. This is a lot of them, lot of them themes. This going is why on. I kind of wanted to try to do it all in one episode, so we could have just the drama episode. So we could just have the depressing episode. Yeah, Everyone's the depressing sad. episode. We gotta have that little. Uh... Everyone gets real nasty and sad. I mean, this if I had run, maybe I wouldn't be so sad. <laughs> My oh my, what a dramatic little episode we have on our hands here. And it's a rather long one. I, I, I thought it was best to have all of these happen in one go. So, you know, here we are. Uh, it's the intensive roleplay episode. <laughs> Don't know what that was. I'm, I'm Chrissy. Thank you for listening. Before I send you back to the action, I, would, I, I, would, I should let you know about an amazing band called Winter Garten, whose song, Summer Fargle, is the opening theme of our podcast, entirely without legal permission. Ha ha ha, one day we'll have to replace that 
but for now it's a non-issue. All other music featured is either from Mort Garson, Boards of Canada, and in this episode, Patricia Taxon, who I would advise you support on YouTube and Bandcamp. All other music and sound effects are royalty-free, as far as I know. If you're enjoying the show, you can follow us on facebook.com slash travelersoftheunknown, on Twitter at TOTUcast, or join our Discord server, which is linked in the episode description and on the socials, for the most immediate updates and to let us know what you think. However, the best and easiest way to support this tiny little, 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 little tiny little baby podcast is to spread it around like um, jam or ass cheeks. Tell your friends. Tell your parents. Maybe don't tell your parents unless they're cool. Drop the link. All that jazz. If it gets uh, enough attention, then maybe one day we'll uh, be able to convince James to get a new microphone. But... You know, we can dream. Um, that's the end. Bye! Okay, just like with Bryn, you wake up from that like it's a dream, and you're back in the room. I pull a face and went, well, I, I won. And just... <laughs> I mean... I mean, we could, we no, could see. No, so, no, uh, no losses. F- fake it was, it was fake nose, all huh? an illusion. Actually, I was the best I won. I won every game. It was incredible. I'm, I'm really good at games. Very. All right. So you walk off yeah. and uh, you walk out the spotlight and the word approach returns to the display wall. For what it's worth, Finn. Oh, that looked kind of rough. I, I can relate. Don't worry about it. Ah, I got a bike later on. We started using magic and it was fine. <laughs> well, alright then. We started using magic and I burnt her to death. And she's dead now. So yeah, speaking you... of which, Matt's turned now. <laughs> you can... oh, no. Who, who's right. next? <laughs> who's next then? I look at Golair like, I, ca- I can't go through that again, Golair. Oh. Oh shit, yeah, they know about each other's little. Yeah. It's okay, brother. I'll do it first. When your time is ready. You can. Why am I speaking like you? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're imprinting. What happens if two people step up at the same time? Uh, we turn into each other. Let's do it. Let's do it. You <laughs> like the fly. I turn yeah, to become... see my adopted dad, and it's Harriet. <laughs> <laughs> Your memory is going to be a horrible splice of the two. <laughs> Jesus Christ! You see, just halflings burning to death everywhere instead of just people. I guess I don't know. <laughs> it's okay. Okay. When you're ready, step forward, but I'll take this one. Okay. I'll plot over. All right. Time to go to Morningwood. <laughs> oh, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Did someone say tone shift? Let's go. You'd be surprised. Gormir, the scene before you took place no more than a few months ago. Uh, it's the Spring Fall Festival in Morningwood, and you are chopping tinder. Yeah, mixed messages from that festival, man. <laughs> and you're chopping tinder in the garden of your adoptive. Hey! Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Of your adoptive. <laughs> and you're chopping. And you're chopping tinder in the garden of your adoptive parents. Chopping left, chopping Chop right. The village is alive and bustling, halflings of all shades and clans. Tanned workers of the fields chatter and shop, 
alongside pale and simple sorts from the deep depths of the forest, their shaved heads, a sore thumb in a sea of elaborate beards and braids. Mm. Morningwood sits at a point of convergence for all of these clans, and therefore its residents are a colourful bunch. Literally, in some cases, where those with green or bluish skin who hail from caves and swamps and shorelines mingle comfortably with the others. And yet, even in such a richly diverse place, you have always felt an outsider. Sure, they smile at you warmly when you hang the Springfall Festival banners from trees and houses without need of a ladder, hmm. but it's what goes unsaid that bothers you. How you can hear the snickers of classmates whenever it's your turn to practice pan flute in school, or how you're scolded for your handwriting despite your hands being three times the size of the pencils. All the time, some kids threw a slab of raw meat against your oversized bedroom window as if you were a beast. You were only six at the time, and it gave you nightmares for weeks. For the most part, though, your upbringing was full of love and support. Not in short supply when it came to your adoptive parents. An older couple, over 200 years of age, but still working. Uh, Your mother was a treasured weaver, creating lavish quilts, dresses, sleeping caps. (laughs) Your father herded goats and horned sheep, which you were a huge help with. He could be short with you and had a habit of being a grump, but around this time of year he mellowed out, becoming almost as soft-spoken as your mother. It's while you're chopping, just getting to the end of it, that your father enters the garden. Hey, Dad. Golly. Uh, Working hard as usual, I see. I know. I'm at my record at the moment. Three in a minute. Best not to keep the season waiting. You're going to overtake the leaves at this rate. They can only fall so fast. Ah. <laughs> Amazing. He he approaches slowly, his age showing in his posture and his steps. A pair of round glasses sit upon his nose, a, a shaven upper lip contrasted by a long grey beard that falls over his shoulders. He grunts as he steps down off the porch and onto the grass. You know, you'll always be welcome here. This doesn't have to be the last spring you see falling. And if you change your mind about uh, about leaving, there's there's a you know you know I understand I do. Does your mother? We don't take it to heart. It's only natural to wonder where you came from. I I know. I'm I'm really appreciative of of all the support and uh, all the love you've been giving me over the years. But I I just feel like I have a greater purpose somewhere. I, I don't know, I can feel it in my, uh, in my belly. Well, Almost, uh, I, I, like I said, if you, if you ever want to come home, there's always going to be a bed here. But, uh, may I have a moment with you, son, just to, to speak inside? If you're done, I mean, I, don't, I wouldn't want to interrupt. Uh, sure, Dad, I'll just finish up this week's quota. Uh, I'll do it a bit, little bit extra so you guys will have wood when I'm gone. Okay. Uh, it's my favourite. He, he kind of steps back a bit and just kind of lets you work. He's just kind of watching the trees and shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. Just the lovely breeze and the yeah. birds. And just let me get rid of the rest of the forest, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, cool, let's go. Gorlier right. <laughs> uh, spams the A button and completes his task quicker. Uh, 
press um, F to cut down trigger. And then he, he leads you inside the house. You have to duck down at the doorway, but otherwise the ceiling has been specially modified to accommodate your height. Mm. Uh, though it, it just makes your, your father feel um, even smaller. Mm. The man has shriveled somewhat in his old age, and given the average size of a halfling anyway, he, he's about as tall as your thighs, just above the knee. He leads you to the warm and homely living room, with an unlit fireplace, a series of soft armchairs, and a large sofa. There are photos on the mantel, mostly memories with a much younger Gorlir. Even as a toddler, you were the same height as your parents. Hmm. One is a much older-looking photograph. You see young lovers dancing beneath a blossoming cherry tree beside a picturesque river. Their names are Muriel and Casper. And if you didn't know your mother and father were once this youthful pair, you wouldn't have suspected. Mm. Uh, the coffee the coffee table has two cups of freshly brewed nettle and honey tea. Well, a cup and a large mug, so as to make sure the drink's enough for you. Um, <laughs> your father kind of pauses and turns. Uh, your mother's at a friend's house. Um, Maggie, I think. I made some tea just in case you wanted some, so help yourself. You can sit. I'll, I'll be back in just a moment. Sure, sure thing, Dad. And he leaves the room. He's gone for a few minutes, and then he comes back holding a thin parcel covered with dusty, tattered cloth. He blows it, then sits opposite you and starts to unwrap it. Before you leave, there's something I've wanted to tell you for a long time. I wanted to wait until you are old enough to understand. I feel the time is right. The cloth is removed, revealing a cardboard envelope. He sets it down on his lap for now. Your mother and I love you dearly. To us, you're our son. It doesn't matter how different we may be. No matter what you find out there. I hope you carry a piece of this home with you. But, uh, well, before you, we'd, we'd had some practice. You weren't our first. You had a sister, Golir. He opens the envelope and hands you a series of very old photos, almost as old as the picture of the, the couple under the cherry tree. Looking through them, you see your parents as young adults in a different home with a little halfling girl. There are dozens of photos similar to the ones they took with you growing up, but the village is different. It's by the sea and it's full of pine trees. There are humans and dwarves and gnomes. That's a, that's a lot to take in, and one, one's Jesus, I know. Um, <laughs> so that's what it's like to have a family, then, eh? <laughs> Spicy. Oh, little Finn. Uh, but, but, if this is my... Where is she now? We didn't keep her from you on purpose. We weren't really ready for the conversation that came with her. And those photos, while they're precious to us well they they bring back certain memories thoughts we didn't want to have every day so we don't display them the past is the past you know her name was uh Catherine. it's a modern name he smiles sadly mm-hmm. before moving here we well originally we lived further inland oaken hills but then we heard the good news your mother was expecting we decided to relocate. There is this beautiful island we'd heard so much about. 
tiny place, no more than 300 people in all. Largely a halfling and uh, also a, a pretty big human population. Now, we mingled, but we had separate little spots, you know, makes make sense with all the shops and taverns being to such a different scale. But there were other sorts, too, you know, gnomes, dwarves. It was a quaint, peaceful place. It was perfect for newlyweds starting a family. Uh, once we, once we, uh, once we reached the coast, it was just half a day by boat and we were there. Our own little patch of the world, untouched by dangers or, or violence. There was gods. Must have been over a century back. Somewhere like 150, 160 years ago. You know, it gets blurry. Sometimes I, I think a halfling lives a little too long. But it was wonderful. Muriel and I spent every minute we could with our Kathy. She was only ten. Barely a toddler. Well, Old enough to run around and too young to understand the word no. <laughs> well, what happened to her? He kind of wipes some tears from his eyes. His hands are wrinkled, the skin cracked and hardened by a lifetime working with them. Something started to spread through the human population. They were a way off, so we weren't fully aware of the gravity of things. Whatever it was, we we never saw any effects of it until it was too late. Until it reached us, too. See, being cut off from the wider world, it, it has its benefits, but it also has its dangers. There was a burst of hysteria. A group of humans, a, you know, a more religious sort. They began to preach extreme and self-important rhetoric, claiming that the population had to be cleansed, that it was the will of their god to cure sickness with fire. Harriet steps back even further. Reason went out the window. People were dying, and this group, they started to convince everyone. Even the afflicted began to agree saying that they'd rather be, be blessed with light than left to decay. Of course, people, people saw through it. At first, they called it madness. They wanted to gather up the compromised and douse them with flames. Over time, though, it didn't matter how crazy it sounded because it was the only solution anyone seemed to have. Those of us who were healthy were told to leave, to evacuate the entire island so our homes and our sick could be. We were fine. Our Kathy was fine. But, but there was panic. And, uh, when we had to board the boats, the crowds, they, they pushed and shoved. Many of them were humans, many so much larger than us. Your mother and I were separated. I was leading Kathy behind me, and her hand was in mine. She was such a tiny thing. And I, lo I lost her. My fingers slipped and I lost her. I hope she'd still board. I found your mother on the boat. And a swarm of yells and cries for help. When I realized she hadn't found her way, hadn't found her way on, I, I tried to get off. I tried to push back through the oncoming crowds back to the shore. The followers of the cult, they shoved me back and they told me no. 
someone knocked me unconscious. When I woke, the boat had come to port on the mainland. It was the dead of the night, everyone gone. Muriel, by my side, unconsolable with worry. The boat wasn't operating again until morning, but I, I gave what gold I had to a fisherman and had him part with his boat, and I rowed back there in the black of night. It began to rain. The waves almost swallowed me whole. It wasn't until the following evening I arrived, exhausted and desperate for a sign of her. Our village was gone. Only ashes remained. Those who had burned had gone too. I don't know where. I don't know where the ones who had burned it had gone. I've never heard from them since. There, there was no sight or sound of Catherine. And we never saw her again. The not knowing hurts most. Did they burn her? Or did they take her with them? Wherever they went. <laughs> Which is worse. He just goes silent looking down at his feet. You, you, you did what you could, Dad. You, you, you tried everything you could. I, I just don't understand why people are capable of such things. We moved here soon after. Didn't tell anyone. Well, could we? Who would understand? And what could they do? We had each other, and, but we were alone. I never thought I'd smile again. Not really, not a... Not like a true smile. And he looks up at you slowly, gets up, walks to your side. Shaking slightly, he reaches up and places a tiny hand on your knee when he arrives looking into your face. Till we found you, son. Till we saw you hatch. Open your eyes and yawn. You were already the size of her from that first moment. But when you reached out, gripped my palm, you made me smile again. Just the moment of eye contact, and then he hobbles uh, back to his chair and sits again. I, I don't know what to say, Dad. This is... Um, Sorry to drop all this on you at such a time of the year. I just... You had to know before you left. Did the the, the people that... that do, do they have a, a, a name? The, the cult? Do they have a name? Never... Never found out. But... They're still out there. A group. Their teachings... And they're reaching us here. I've heard stories, rumors, shadowy figures in long leather robes, masks of birds. You have our blessing to leave whenever you wish. I pray you find what you're looking for, and it answers whatever questions you have. But have caution. I don't tell you just, I don't tell you this just to teach you of the horrors of the wider world, but to warn you. His face becomes darker. There's an anger in his eyes. Be wary of them. They fled before. They ran when they could have followed. If some are on the mainland now, maybe they're running again. Maybe we need someone who knows to be keeping an eye on them. Mm -hmm.
And that's the end of Gourlier's memory. <laughs> that is, well, that it is... looks like we're going to have a fun episode in the future when we all visit Morningwood and Harriet has to meet Gourlier's parents. I'm going to ditch the robes by oh, then. Boy, that that's going to be a fun That one. is the last thing I expected to happen. <laughs> in the past? In the past, I know, which means... I probably would have been a bit more cautious towards you. <laughs> I, I, I forgot until then. I wasn't. I wasn't really listening. I mean, I, w- I was honestly, playing League in the background. I was playing Raid Shadow Legends on my phone. Speaking I of which, Raid Shadow Legends is a unprecedented thought <laughs> that I had. Do you want to know? I remember saying actually that. Yeah. Gaulian knowing about when you had your emotional moment with Harriet during mm. Trinket's Trident at the end, Gaulian knew about the camps because he was able to uh, console Harriet about it. And I, I've always wondered like, there's a bit of a. It's not really your fault because it's easy to like have that meta knowledge of like, oh, I know this about Harriet, so Gaulian does, but Gaulian didn't know. Yeah. And so we had to. I kind of. That's almost just me filling in the plot hole of how Gaulian knows about the Plague Masters. Mm. But also kind of ties the two of you together a bit. Yeah, just jumping oh. back to the present real quick. How are Gaulier and Harriet feeling right now? Oh, Harriet is just shrunk to the back. He's not even making eye contact with the rest oh of them. Oh my god. Do you say anything to each other? I... Gaulier, I... I... I can't express how sorry I am to hear that. Gaulier stands just looking at the screen, turns his head. He's got fire in his eyes. You need to know, this wasn't me, this wasn't what any of us wanted to do. He slowly walks over to Harriet and places a hand on his shoulder, looks him in the eye, and slowly walks on to the back of the group. Harriet's head falls slightly, and he steps forward, and he just turns back before he gets to the plaque, and he just he just gives them a look, and just with a heavy sigh, steps towards the the plate. Okay. The Basilica is currently on the road, as it almost always is, and a camp has been made for the night as you pause somewhere between the numerous shrine towers that dot your island home. Carts and wagons are resting, and a simple fire keeps your tent warm. The deep red fabric billows in the wind, and the blanketed floor is rippling, dampened by the grass it lies on. Outside, horses graze and are tended to by the youngest recruits, protected from the harsh rains by tents of their own. The lights of the Rolling Archive, a great library of accumulated knowledge, glows faintly in the near distance. You sit at a wooden bench, and Croy shuffles the deck, dealing your hand on the simple log table, then dealing in Reese's hand. The tone is light and jovial, you are a lad of 18, as is Croy, with, uh, with Rees a year your senior, and, and all of you have only recently discovered the taste of fine ale. Drained tankards clutter the table, and Croy cracks crude jests about the stable boys. I'm just saying, a night like tonight, and the lad's with a horse. What's in it for him? <laughs> Whatever keeps it keeps the beast away and keeps the coin coming in, right, Croy? <laughs> the tent flaps open and a drenched young man enters. It's a face you recognise, but haven't thought about for years. Stu isn't exactly a member of your close circle like Reese and Croy, but someone who tended to hang around anyway, 
Like you, he was serving he was serving as a scribe, and you'd often see each other in the rolling archive. He wasn't unpleasant, he was just very unremarkable. He mostly kept to himself and seemed happier to sit and listen to the three of you talk rather than take part himself. Of course, his heavy stutter didn't help things. With Croy's brash, intimidating personality and Reese being frequently preoccupied, it was you, Harriet, that Stu tended to stick to. You seemed to be someone he looked up to. Oi, Stu! Croy called. Get over here, we need a third for cutthroat. I wouldn't keep the man waiting, Stu. Stu nodded, seeming tense, distracted. He takes the vacant seat beside you. Do you want some uh, uh, ale? Stu, Reese offers. Stu gives her a queasy smile and passes it up. Ah, uh, stomach, he croaks. Oh, that'll be the that'll be from the archive, you know. I'm I'm glad I stopped stacking books. The way that thing sways in the wind, I don't know how you handle it, Harriet. Well, I don't know, you just got used to it. Plus the old man back there gives you a laugh, keeps you distracted, you know? Alright, come on, let's play. Croy taps the cards in front of him. He has two, face down, and the rest of you have three. Draw. Now, this is where I wanted to actually run through a game of Cutthroat, but it turns out that, it's, that making up a card game is really difficult. Like, I legitimately <laughs> spent way too much time trying to make up a card game, and maybe in future we can actually play it, but for now, I've tried and failed to make a card game, so we're just going to not do that. Shall I just um, roll something? I'll get to that, but basically the game is played by every player drawing a card. These cards are of six images, a snake, a hawk, a rat, a club, a sickle, or a spider. All of these cards have strengths and weaknesses against the others, as well as buffs when paired with other cards. It's like fantasy Pokemon. Um, <laughs> the players can uh, can well, look at their... As opposed to real Pokemon. As opposed to real life Pokemon. <laughs> the players can look at their second hand. Uh, after flipping the first card, you can look at your second card and decide whether uh, you want to change it or keep it. Shit like that. So mm-hmm. that's what's going on. And and as for the hand, let's just roll some D6s. You've got to teach me that game sometime. Uh, we've got to get him to teach us this, the game. I want to play it. Role play. I like oh. the pretty pictures. I, I, want, I want your game. Please play. Finally, I can win, says Finn. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, what what do you roll on the d6, Harriet? Uh, on my d6, I have rolled four. Four, okay. Okay, so you, you all draw your first cards and check your seconds. Um, during this time, very uncharacteristically, Stu sparks up a conversation. Uh, hey, uh, w- w- what age did did you all did, did join the uh, the b- b- basilica? says very awkwardly, not even really looking at his second card as he puts it down by the deck and takes a new one. Oh, uh... Croy begins, a little taken back by Stu's question. I was, uh, ten, I think. Reese, you you were older, right? I was fourteen. That's the same as you, right, Harriet? Aye, aye. Well, it's been a long time. Barely remember it now. Stu nods, and you lay down your hands. Um... So, uh, Croy is, uh, defeated, having had all their cards beaten. Um, they, they kind of lean back, taking a swig of ale, like, Oh, okay, yeah, that was quick. Not so powerful now, are you, Croy? Yeah, right, carry on. More time to drink, I guess. Oh, you that. And Harriet and, uh, Stu, you both lose one card, you're, you're, but you're still in the running, even though you've lost, uh, one card. You keep your winning card and draw a fresh one. 
uh, while uh, Reese keeps his his two that are currently undefeated. Another d6? Uh, not right now. I, I should have waited for us to roll the d6s until I revealed that stuff because okay. I kind of forgot no the, the dice rolls, but I kind of had to remember that. But not quite yet. Um, I um, I was just curious. Stu continues. You've you've n never n never wondered ab about leaving. Leaving. Still, this is our family. This is our this is our home. Yeah. Oh, why would we? Croy frowns. We're the Lord's chosen. We're doing good work. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Of 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 of, of course. But but did, did didn't you ever think maybe you don't you don't don't have a have a, have a choice choice what are you talking about Stu? this is a matter of fate this is god's will yeah besides says reese just people leave you know some people have have left i mean i can't name one off the top of my head but yeah he's right they definitely have yeah no no one i've heard of well maybe it's just rare because they're crazy uh kind of croy butts in He's the drunkest out of the lot of you, as is typical. I mean, I mean, never mind that the sacred duty will all soon be tasked with. The Basilica, like like Harriet said, it's our home and it's our family. We get to travel the land, we get to see it all. That's more than most can say. But but, but if we, we have we ever have have we ever met anyone who who who's left? Not off the top of my head, no. It's a big but country, Stu. What are you trying to say here? Just, just, it, it, is, is, is nothing. I, I was. Are you, for, are forget, you thinking of running, Stu? For, forget it. I was tired. I was tired. Forget it. Maybe a drink should ease your mind, eh, Stu? I nothing with another tankard again. Yes, mate. Yes, yes. And he takes some and kind of has a very little sip. And he's like, yes, I will do that. Good lad. Reese still looks a little worried, but quickly goes back to the game. Groy is continuing to glare at him for a moment, and he kind of shakes his head and, uh, alright, come on, let's see who's one. So let's roll. Roll another d6, another Harry. D6. Three. Three. You win! Oh. Uh, you draw another card that manages to beat both uh, the, the, the two that Reese still had and Stu's last one. Like I said, boys, I'm the chosen one. We are all in God's light today, but tonight, I think it belongs to me. Yeah, you maybe you're a little bit more blessed than the rest of us, aren't you? Sure seems that way. Yeah, what well, with all that time you're spending with old Master Doyle. Yeah, he'll teach you a thing or two, Croy. He's a sagey old man. He knows his secrets. Uh, Got a few good stories. Time round the forge is enough for me. Whatever you say, Croy. I'd rather be flexing my mind than my muscles. Hmm. <laughs> saying that when we're out in the field. You know, I say some of these sick, they get real rowdy. You know, I've heard some try to attack us, try to say we're doing the wrong thing. Put them in their place sometimes. Well, of course they are. They're, they're deluded. Their minds are poisoned by curse and hex and all kind of devilish trickery. That's why we save them, Kuroi. Amen to that. Amen. So, did you just come from Master Doyle? Uh... Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I was just doing some, I was just doing some extra work, just, uh, just a little, you know, good game, uh, uh, I, I, I think I'm actually just gonna go get some, get some air, real, real quick. 
All right. Well, don't wander too far, Stu. The night's in the step. No, I just, I just be in the the doorway. I don't want to be out in the rain. If that's okay, I could just, just at the tent. Yeah, of course. Okay, I just get away from the fire. Um, you can take my my bed if you want. I'm gonna go see the old man for a bit anyway. Stu kind of shakily gets to his feet. As he pa- as he is getting up, he kind of makes a deliberate. He makes sort of deliberate, desperate eye contact with you. Yeah. And he's looking physically sick. And then he walks over to the tent flat and kind of stands there. Well, now that I've done beating you boys, I'm going to have to bid you a good night and uh, see you on another holy morning. Uh, if you're sure you want to call it now, go for it, I guess. Good night, lads. I nod to them both. I stand and meet uh, meet Stu at the door. Stu, you're looking a bit pale there, friend. Are you all right? Harriet, I... I... I don't... I don't know if, if... If I can... I don't know if I can stay here. Why not? The... The... The reaping. I... The reaping. I... I, I couldn't... I couldn't... I couldn't... I... I... I, I wouldn't... Be... Be able... To... Harriet puts hand on uh, Stu's shoulders. Take your time, Stu. Don't worry. I just... I read... I read... I read a... A journal entry. It was just, just sitting there, just one by M- M- Master D- D- Doyle. Why and are you poking through Master Doyle's journal? That's his it, own. D- I, I, it was just out in the open. It talked about the the, the, the last village we, you know, we. He looks like he's uh, he's trying not to cry, and he's just wringing his hands and shaking. Still, you need to keep yourself in place, my friend. This is this is some weird shit uh, you're coming uh, up to. On paper. On paper, c- cleansing the, the sick, giving them the, the 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 Lord's Lord's light, seems like a like a good idea. But but, but in 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 practice, it's I just I, I, I don't have it in me. I I, I, I guess. Look, still, it, it's grisly business seeing the sick like that, but. You're doing them a service, you're saving their families, and look, if that's not for you, maybe you could scribe for another year, or stop to attend one of the Shrine Towers, no, or but, Smith, No, no, or... no, I, I, I don't think I can be here, where, where, where it's done, where, where it's encouraged, encouraged. Encouraged? Stu, you're treading on some mighty thin ice here, what are you talking about? Where's this journal? He shakes his head and seems to be struggling with something close to vomiting. I, I tell you, Stu, you, you take a knee, all right? I'll be back in five. I'll go talk to the old man. No, I'll... I... I, I he, he just grabs his shoulder. I, I, I have to tell you. I have to. I have to tell you, okay? The... 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 The, the sickness. The... The one we... The one we... Cleanse. It's... It's not... It's... They... The basilica. What are you trying to say, Stu? There, there, there. What now? Interrupting your conversation is the cleric known as Old Master Doyle, a plump, crinkled old soul with rimmed glasses and patchy hair who steps in from the rain outside. Oh, Stu, I am sorry. Didn't realize it was you. Do, do continue. I'll finish the fort. Stu's mouth opens and closes. He looks from Doyle to Harriet, then back to Doyle. I, 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 I think I left some p- papers in the 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 the, 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 the archive. Oh well, by all means, go go fetch them. I'll join you. 
No, 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 it's, it's fine. Yeah, don't, don't worry yourself, sir, Reese pipes up. I'll go with him instead. No need for you to go back out in the rain. Ah, oh. such a good lad. I'll tell you what, boys, why don't you both take a seat and I'll go with Stu? Because you're both drunk off your arches and old Master Doyle needs to sit down and teach you to a lesson. Actually, I was, uh, well, <clears throat> was kind of going to ask if, uh, if, if, Croy would mind joining Reese with Stu because I think I'd like a moment alone with you, Harriet, if if, if that's acceptable. Of course, old Master Doyle. Anything. Okay, Croy doesn't seem happy about that, but he nods and he finishes his drink. Um, the elderly cleric kind of looks over at the two at the bench and he's like, Oh! I see you boys have been enjoying the perks of that brewery we passed. Oh, uh, but, but where are your other companions? Judging by the number of empty flagons, there ought to be double your numbers. Uh, Croy and Reese laugh. Um, you're welcome to join us. Oh, I don't think so. There would be a day I'd have had the lot of you on the floor before I'd had my fill, but yeah, these old bowels don't fare too well no more. Uh, see, enjoy your youth while it lasts, my sons. <laughs> he laughs and pats his stomach. And then he looks over at uh, you and Stu and he's just like, uh, well, come on then. Help, help Stu find his papers. I'd like to have a word with uh, your friend. No worry. Come on, Stu. All right, uh, yeah, they, the two walk over and uh, Reese is just like, yeah, come on, buddy, let's find your whatever. Uh, see you in a bit, Harriet. Uh, don't go letting the old man chew you out too much, okay? I'll try my best, Reese. Uh, you keep calm. Doyle laughs as well and he waves them goodbye, farewell. Uh, Stu gives you one final pleading look and then follows them out. This young boy's stomach's in knots. I hope he's all right. Maybe he's got some sickness in him. Old Master Doyle sits by the fire with a grunt. Oh, we wouldn't be... Shouldn't be joking about that. And he holds oh, his, his hardened, withered hands to the flames and he sighs. It was a, a callous joke, Master. I apologise. Mm. There's nothing like a fire to rest the soul. Also, it's warm. Has its perks now and then, yeah. I wanted to share some, uh, some words of wisdom. You know, as I'm known for. Well, yeah, I treasure your sagey advice, Master. Well, take a seat, then. I do. Do you know why the Basilica chose that name? Well, I can't say I do, no. Well, I don't know for sure. I wasn't there. But I like to think I have a pretty good idea. See, on the mainland, there are many faiths. Many false, many more concerned with power or profit than holiness. Well, there are certain structures, larger and older than the average church, many stretching back as far as the ancient era. Sturdy, stone buildings made to last, and called basilicas. We derived our name from ancient strength. It's a powerful word, an old word, used to describe old and powerful things. Our basilica is a lot like those buildings, made to last to stand strong and weather the storm. They were quite fond of, of pillars in those days. The plague masters are those pillars, you see. They give us structure, hold us up, let us save lives and keep everyone safe. But even humble scribes, tailors, or, or daft old clerics such as I are integral parts for the building. For we are the great bricks of carved stone and marble that make up those pillars. That give those pillars something to carry. 
Do you understand what I'm saying to you, Harriet? Oh, you think so, Master. It's beautifully put. And might you know why I'd be saying it to you now? I... I... I don't know, Master. Maybe... What do you think happens in a building so old and so strong when a rotten brick crumbles or slips out of place? You, you mend it, or, or the infection spreads and it brings down the whole tower. Yes, if left unattended, more bricks follow and the basilica falls. You can't have that. Doyle grips your shoulder tightly. I care for you, son, and I trust that if you suspect anyone of disloyalty, anyone who is having doubts, concerns, or is losing their way, I trust you to tell me so I can lead them back into the Lord's warming light. By their light, I would tell nothing but truth to you, Master. Well, then do you have something to tell me about, Harriet? I... No, Master. Nothing to report. He nods. All right, then. No, just a thought. Just something to keep in mind. You know, I've had a few myself, if I'm being completely honest. Uh, I'll go uh, see if those boys haven't ruined me entire library now, shan't I? <laughs> you get yourself some sleep, son. Thank you. I, I appreciate the visit, Master. It's always a pleasure. Okay. So just for the record, Harriet has chosen not to report on Stu there. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Doyle stands and, and leaves you. This is where the division ends. But here's, here's what you remember. After Doyle left your tent, soon after Reese and Croy returned, they, they told you that Stu hadn't remembered the notes were in his quarters, in his desk, um, and that he'd, uh, he'd gone to get them there instead. Croy had ranted a little, but the night soon returned to normal, and uh, you all went to bed and got a good night's sleep. And you didn't fully, really, really think of it anymore. You didn't see Stu around, but sometimes you wouldn't. You know, he wasn't really a part of your group, so he, re he, he kind of... It wasn't until a, a few weeks that you kind of noticed that he'd gone missing. And after, you know, two, two weeks of, of his disappearance, he was spotted on the road one evening while the basilica was moving from place to place, lying dead in a river. And you were told it was bandits, that the boy couldn't survive on his own without the watchful eyes of the basilica, that he'd run away and gotten himself killed. But now, Harriet, thinking about it, it doesn't take a strong imagination to realize that this was a lie. They murdered him. Just like they fucking murdered everyone, they murdered Stu too. Fuck. That's what you're you're saying as you come back into the room now. Yeah. Every fucking person they it doesn't agree with their ideology, they maim and they slaughter and they burn. They took him as well. Okay, so Harriet is back in this room now with you guys. Yeah. As he as he said those things. Huh. That fucking church. They're all gonna pay for what they did. To you, to your family, Collier, to me, to to the world. Those fuckers can't get away with this again. We'll get them back, brother, don't worry. Oh, we'll have to burn that fucking wagon to the ground. Okay. After this, the, the screen goes blank, and there's a faint humming, and there's this clicking echoing around you from beyond the walls. 
And then, a question. Where did you go wrong? Is it talking to me or you? Or It's just us. It's just the words, where did you go wrong, are on the screen. Finn's going to look at it and go, we answered this fucking place. The man's not wrong. <laughs> it doesn't respond to that. <laughs> the same, where did you go wrong? I should have gone with him. I should have believed Stu. I should have believed what he was trying to say before they, before they carried on. A big green check mark appears <laughs> on the uh, on the far, far far left of the display. Oh, nice all, one. This whole thing's a bit judgy, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I went a bit. Go- I went a bit Harriet there. <laughs> Everyone's, gone, Everyone's Harriet. gone Irish. The only way is Harriet. Right there we go. That that was Harriet. That that's Harriet's answer. So there's one there's one green tick mark. Oh, there's other people need answering. There's what it's on the far left, and there's room. You could assume there's room for three more of it of the same. Oh Jesus. Awfully judgmental. I should have won. <laughs> be better. Doesn't respond to that. Do not be sorry, boy. Be better. Should have fucking rolled better. <laughs> Shouldn't have made a sorcerer. Fuck. Right. Next time, I want to make something so badass that. Yeah, that's not going to happen. I'm glad you've learned your lesson from the tower. <laughs> it's going to be a really big ween. Well, back to the back to the matter at hand. So now that you've, you've learned your lesson, uh, <laughs> back to the room. I should have won. Yeah, it's not responding to that. Uh, thing. Finn, do you ever think that maybe there is someone more accountable than the people around you? Oh. <sighs> <laughs> That was real. Fine. I I mean, genuinely, though, what is the lesson I should get from that? Well, maybe the lesson you should take, and I suppose the lesson we should all take, really, is that you never know what a person's done to get here and what a person has been through. Yeah, same. (laughs) Yeah, it's not... It's not... (laughs) I mean, beautiful sentiment, but it's not... It's not, not, not the correct answer. I'm not suggesting... <laughs> look, whatever this fucking thing wants, I think wants to reflect on our past. But when we find the fucker that made it, we're going to cut him in half. <laughs> <laughs> Finn is actively laughing. Um, as opposed to not laughing. As, as for me, well, <laughs> I know where I went wrong. Oh, fuck, I'm doing it again. Harry, <laughs> Matt, you're a little bastard. I'm infectious. Um, oh, it was so much fun doing all those Scottish accents just then. Irish. I, are they meant to be Irish? Oh, fuck. <laughs> Damn. Right. <clears throat> God. <clears throat> well, as for me, I know what I went wrong. I shouldn't have underestimated him. Okay, yeah. Okay, green tick. Oh, fuck, does that... Hmm. Okay, I'm not going to comment on that. Well, I'll talk to you about it later. Yeah, I, I, okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. So it still needs two more. I just got told stuff. I didn't make a decision. <laughs> I mean, that was... It was around when you chose to leave, isn't it? <laughs> I shouldn't have left as soon as I did? Okay, here's a question. Does Gaulian mean that when he says it? Um, does Gaulier genuinely feel that way, or does he not feel he made a mistake? For the plot, yes. Um, do, you, do you miss home? Um, no, seriously, how, however Gaulier feels. He thought that leaving so well because his dad dropped all that on him. I think it maybe it, it installed something in his mind that his dad didn't want to leave, so he dropped all that on him at that point. And maybe he was too hot-headed about trying to go out and try and find the people that hurt his um, sister that he hadn't met yet. So, okay. yeah. 
It was an open. Well, actually, no, it was a. Actually, no, she could still be alive. She's a halfling. Yeah. But she'd be yeah, in the basilica. I haven't seen the body. There is a correct answer to your epiphany. I haven't seen the body. Yeah, it's in the body. She could be dead. She could be with the basilica. I, I didn't oh, say. Oh, God. Okay. I, I left yeah. too early. The secret <laughs> The secret big baddie leading the basilica was Gullia's sister all along. Oh, oh, that's the twist. I'm not doing that. Damn. <laughs> Um, uh, is what she says. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> Hastily hits the delete button. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'd have done that three years ago, but not now. <laughs> um, I left too early. Okay, yeah. Green tech. Ding. Okay, cool. Yeah. Finn. I genuinely don't know. Just be in character. Be in character, act as Finn is, even if Finn doesn't know. I shouldn't give up, he should say. I, I should. Because what I did in that vision was keep trying and then talk to Lani about it and then agree to keep going. And I think that's what the best thing I can do is is just to keep going and not give up on what I'm doing. So you're saying you didn't go wrong? No, I don't think so. I tried my hardest. <laughs> and then I got my ass handed to me, which means I just got to keep trying. Okay. Yeah, that's got a fair point. It's all about how many times you get back up, not about how, how many, many times, times you fall down. You... Exactly. It's about getting good dice rolls. It's about getting back up. Right. So, so the the screen is still saying, "Where did you go wrong?" I should have used my magic, <laughs> Finn. If 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 what you're trying to, and what I'm trying to do is like, does Finn say, "Yeah, I didn't." Yeah, Finn is actively saying he didn't go wrong. All right, okay, just because you hadn't said that in so many words, I um, did not go wrong. All right, the screen seems to grind to a halt, oh. starting to buzz. Oh shit! The image flickering and glitching, and then in bold, flashing letters. You win appears on the screen. It's accompanied by chimes and fantastical music like on a game show. <laughs> along with along with this text is a live feed image of, of Finn's face displayed in a little square showing you as you are right now. It's just like did it did it did it you won Finn well done. <laughs> you didn't go wrong. Did it did it um <laughs> I think the game is patronizing and you. And the noise increases. The flashing, the flashing, the noise is increasing. The flashing is becoming more frequent and, and brighter and whiter until it starts to sting your eyes. And this light grows and grows until it's all you can see. And everything goes white. So we continue the next episode of the, the Travellers of the oh, Funny. Oh, shit. And recording. And recording? Stop the recording, I guess. Yeah. God, I'm tired. <laughs>